Welcome to The Table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Well, we are three weeks into our Ask Me Anything sermon series, and I would say it's not even really a sermon series because each week stands alone, and it's a completely different question each week. Um, But I have to say, (laughs) you all have been asking some huge questions, huge questions. You are not making it easy for me, are you? (laughs) And I applaud you for that because I gave you permission (laughs) to not make it easy for me. Last week, we tackled one of the biggest questions. How does a loving God allow suffering and evil to exist? How? And I urge you to go back and to watch that one if if you missed it. But the first week, the first week's question, I would have have never anticipated you asking this question. How, How should we view New Age spirituality and its practices? Y'all surprised me with that one. You did. You surprised me. And and you all have surprised me also with your feedback about that sermon that I preached. It's kind of a thing that we pastors know that we rarely ever, we rarely ever get feedback on our sermons that is encouraging or lighthearted or positive. Normally, when people make a huge effort to reach out to give feedback of some kind, it's because in some way a sermon has rubbed them the wrong way or has unsettled them in some way. And, and being unsettled is, is not always a bad thing, right? And it seems that for, for some of you, that sermon did that for you. <laughs> I, I don't feel like you all were unsettled with me, but you were unsettled by Christian theology. Some of you even submitted anonymous new questions since that sermon about New Age spirituality, wondering in light, in light of it, if, whether or not you're even a Christian at all, because you're looking for a faith that, in your words, is open. That, that holds within it this openness, this expansiveness, this room for Jesus and room for New Age beliefs and practices and even pieces of other faith traditions like Islam and Judaism and, and Buddhism, right? Like you want it all. You want room for it all. 
And one anonymous person even asked, is there even such a church like that? Is there? That, that lives in that kind of openness, that dabbles in and makes room for a bit of everything? Is there a church like that? And I have a few, I have a few answers to your questions today, which I promise will eventually be relevant to today's question and sermon and scripture. My first answer to your question is yes. Yes, there is a church like that, that dabbles in and makes room for just about everything. And it's called the Unitarian and Universalist Church. And I have known many people to have come out of this faith tradition or attend for some period of time a a church of this kind. But I don't know a single person who hasn't eventually found that level of everything goes to eventually be fully unsatisfying to them. And I have nothing, let me say, I have nothing against Unitarian and Universalist churches, but this is the feedback that I have received time and time and time again from those who have spent much time in that faith tradition, that a belief system that is wholly open and makes room for everything dabbles in a bit of Jesus, a bit of New Age spirituality, a bit of Buddha, where on any given Sunday, the main text for that morning could be the Bible, or it could be from the Quran, or from the writings of Mother Teresa or Gandhi, that a belief system that is wholly open like that, that makes room for everything, really feels like, like it makes room for nothing at all. This kind of openness feels really good. I understand your desire for it. It feels really good. It seems so beautiful, right? Coexist. Until your life falls completely apart and you need something to believe in, to cling to, to hold on to, to get you through the worst parts of life. And that kind of openness, everything goesness, just feels empty, like you're standing on quicksand, like like you have nothing to actually hold on to in your faith when things go terribly wrong. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. You know that old hymn? Yeah. That's just a song. It's just a song that we sing in church. Until you lose a child unexpectedly. Or... or or you're diagnosed with stage four cancer, or you're going through a nasty, nasty divorce, and then that becomes so much more than a song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' righteousness, and I I dare not trust anything but Jesus' name right now. 
what I have heard time and time again from people who have ended up at Kingstown out of faith traditions like like the Universalists and Unitarian that believe in just a bit of everything is that 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 is wholly unsatisfying and empty when life just blows up. So that's my first answer for you. My second answer for those of you who questioned your faith a bit (laughs) after my first sermon in this series, who questioned whether you were even Christian after I answered that first question, how do we as Christians view New Age spirituality? My second answer is really more of a question for you. Did, did you listen to the entire sermon? Did you listen to, to the end of it? Because I'm concerned that you missed a crucial part of it. Somehow, some of you heard that you can't be a Christian and collect crystals and burn incense. Some of you heard you can't be a Christian and practice yoga. Or you can't be a Christian and enjoy reading a horoscope or believe in chakra and energy centers in the body. If you got that out of my sermon, I urge you to go back and listen to the whole thing in its entirety. Because though, yes, I did name some of the flaws within the underlying theology of of most New Age spirituality, I also said that within the theology of the redemption of Jesus Christ, so long as it is grounded not in our own divinity, but in the divinity of Christ, there is this cosmic openness. There's room. I didn't say go repent from your wicked ways. Because if we place Christ at the center, then Christ is all in all. And that's how, that's how I concluded that sermon, with a quote from St. Francis of Assisi about the cosmic openness of the God of Jesus Christ, that the magnitude of things can manifest the wisdom and goodness of the triune God who by power and presence and essence exists in all things, whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. Do you see the difference there? Do you see the difference between this this kind of cosmic openness grounded in the redemption of Jesus Christ rather than a, a spiritual openness where everything goes, where we believe in a bit of everything and therefore believe in nothing really at all? Do you see the difference? Which, which brings us to our third question today. And while some of you ask this question directly, many of you ask this question through kind of hinting at this bigger question. Is there really one way to God? One right faith? And is Jesus the only way? And if so, are my my Jewish and Muslim and, and Buddhist friends all going to hell? Well, what about the most selfless, self-giving atheists that I know? What, what about those who have never even heard the name of Jesus? If there is only one way, how do we understand and leave room for friends of other faiths? Can we make room for them? In other words, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the gate to the kingdom and the road to eternal life is narrow. Is Jesus the only way? And if so, are all these other people just doomed for all eternity? It's another question of God's cosmic openness. Is the way of salvation as narrow as Christianity seems to make it? Is there just one way? Over the years at Kingstown, I have answered this question in a variety of ways, in a variety of sermons. We answered it in our Apostles' Creed sermon series. We, we talked about it in our Romans sermon series. But, but today I want to do it in a wholly new way. So if you have, you know, listened to every episode on our podcast, which many of you have told me you have, um, I want to give you something new to take away today. A way that might kind of blow your mind a bit today. You ready for that? A way to explain the cosmic openness of God while still affirming that, yes, we as Christians believe that there is only one way, the way of Christ. First, as Christians, we have a set of beliefs that distinguish us as Christians. We call these orthodox beliefs. And just to be clear, this is not orthodox like Greek orthodox or or Russian orthodox. This is not like a particular denomination or sect of the church. Orthodox meaning, meaning right belief, right belief. That to be a Christian church, we must believe in these core tenets of faith. We might disagree on all kinds of other stuff between denominations and churches, right? But we all believe in these. And those core Orthodox Christian beliefs include believing in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God is three in one. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, not just a prophet or a wise teacher, but the Son of God. And believing that that Christ is the way of salvation, the the way, the truth, the life as revealed in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, including the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, right? Those are our orthodox beliefs. These are are, our orthodox beliefs, and they are the beliefs that, that I, as your resident theologian, am called to guard and to teach, and to witness to, so that Kingstown does not stray and become something other than Christian, right? However, at Kingstown, we live out what some, we live out this orthodoxy in, in, in a way that some have called generous orthodoxy, which means that we stay true to the core tenets of Christian theology while embracing the cosmic openness, the the bigness of the redemption of Jesus Christ. And today I want to give you a pathway for how to describe such an openness, a way that might blow your mind a little bit, like I said. You ready? For the first 2,000 years of Christianity, we Christians have largely wrestled with, struggled with, tried to understand Jesus. Not Jesus Christ, Jesus. 
We have spent the last 2,000 years trying to understand and witness to and worship Jesus of Nazareth. And we haven't done it very well. (laughs) And the reason we haven't dealt with Jesus of Nazareth very well is because we didn't realize that Christ is not Jesus's last name. We just put the two words together, right? Jesus Christ. We didn't realize that Christ is not Jesus's last name. And we failed to read the, the, the first chapter of Ephesians, our scripture for today, the first chapter of Colossians, the, the first chapter of John's gospel, the first paragraph of the letter to the Hebrews, the first paragraph of the first letter of epistle of John, five books of the New Testament that all say very clearly that Christ existed long before Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, these scriptures make clear that, that, that Christ, Christ existed for all of eternity. Jesus, born of Joseph and Mary in a town of Bethlehem, Jesus existed for 2,000 years. And, and that should stop us right now. <laughs> that should stop us in our tracks as Christians. Like, whoa, right? Whoa. If Christ existed from from the very beginning and Jesus existed only the last 2,000 years, then then we are talking about two different realities here. But we just lump them together and we don't know what we mean by it. I believe in Jesus Christ. Most Christians at their best and on their good days believe in Jesus but we have missed entirely the cosmic from all eternity dimension to Christ, even though it's so deeply, richly biblical. Did you hear it today in our scripture? I urge you to go and read those passages I mentioned. The first chapter of Ephesians, Colossians, John, the first um, paragraph of, he- of Hebrews, the first paragraph of the first gospel, the first epistle um, of John. I urge you to go read those, on the passages on your own, so you can see this for yourself, that Christ existed from all eternity. But today, we're going to, 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 to dig deep into, into Ephesians 1. This is Paul. Paul. Paul says, blessed be the God who has blessed us in Christ just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. We as Christians have received adoption as children of God through Jesus Christ, here Jesus of Nazareth, but It is in Christ that we encounter God's redemption, God's forgiveness, God's grace as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And when you hear the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, Paul calls it here. When you hear of Jesus of Nazareth, his life, death, and resurrection, and when you believe in him, you 
were marked with the Holy Spirit to praise of Christ's glory. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised Jesus from the dead. And Christ has put all things underfoot and become the head over all things, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The fullness of him who fills all in all. In Ephesians and Colossians and John, we get a Christ that is not Jesus's last name. And when we lose this, when we lose this, we pull him out of, of, the, of the Trinity. We pull, we pull Christ out of the blessed Trinity and we make Jesus into God the Father for all practical purposes. Most of our Christian theology about Jesus is not, in fact, Trinitarian. Not grounded with and worked and molded within the mystery of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That mystery that God is, is much more than a noun, God is a verb. God is this endless outpouring of love amid three. God is relationship. Ironically, the doctrine of the Trinity, which is one of the Christian doctrines, I told you the orthodox doctrines of Christianity, um, thought to be uniquely Christian, it was thought that it would make it more difficult for us as Christians to make sense of and dialogue with other religions, other faith traditions, other people around the globe with their cultures and ways of belief. But, but ironically, it, it has exactly the opposite effect. Because once you can say that there is a part of God that is formless, there's a part of God that's formless, and our word for that is Father. There, that there's a part of God that is form, and our word for that is Jesus, the part that took shape, someone that we could see and touch and love. And, and then there's a part of God that, that is energy and relationship and communion between the Father and Son, Holy Spirit. And I'm just talking, this is, this is New Testament language, friends. There's something going on between God the Father and God the Son that is dynamic, that is healing. And, and, and what we're doing in salvation is standing in that relationship, standing in the middle of that, that giving, that relationship, that giving relationship between the Father and the Son and sharing in that adoption as God's children. So the Christ existed from all eternity. Now, now, we're the first generation in history, right, that is able to give a date to that, at least in terms of the, the universe that we know. We now can measure to, to some degree that this manifestation that we call the universe began 14.6 billion years ago when God, God very, the very first time God decided to show God's self to us. Scientists, of course, would call it the Big Bang. But we as Christians, grounded in, 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 in Scripture, can call it the original incarnation. That God decided to show God's self to us, and this goes on for 14.5 billion years. Suddenly, we've got this very different notion of God, don't we? God, all of a sudden, is so much bigger and much more patient with us. 
God began to reveal God's self to us when matter and spirit became one at the dawn of time and Christ was there at the beginning, the scriptures say. Not Jesus, not Jesus Christ, Christ, that's the Christ mystery. And then, and then, and, 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 and believe me when I say we are not forsaking this as, as a church at Kingstown. And then, in a moment of time, we believe this eternal mystery of matter and spirit as one became manifest in, in the human person from Nazareth, Jesus, born in a little town of Bethlehem, as, John letter, as John's letter says, so that we, you and I, could, could look upon that Christ's mystery, so that we could look upon it, to, to touch it, to fall in love with it and relate to this mystery, because human beings, we can't fall in love with or give our lives over to an energy or a force or a concept. The only thing that you and I can love is a person. So God and Christ became flesh in a person and dwelt among us in Jesus of Nazareth so that we could fall in love with God, this Christ mystery. And we did. We, we found Jesus very lovable, in fact. We fell in love with the incarnation of Jesus, but we've got to keep moving. <laughs> and if Christ is all in all, right? If the grand mystery of Christ is true in Jesus, the grand mystery of Christ can be true anywhere. I'm not saying in the same way. Jesus is the Son of God. It's not the same way Jesus is when we look into the face of God, but we can get a glimpse of this cosmic from all eternity dimension of Christ everywhere, all in all. We can begin to see the mystery of Christ at work in other nations and religions and peoples and places and natures, in cosmic realities and energies beyond our wildest imagination, participating in the relationship between God the Father and Christ the Son. This is the mystery of the incarnation, that, that it has this way of appearing and multiplying over and over again throughout eternity. God over and over again revealing God's self to us. God becomes incarnate in Jesus the Christ. We fall in love with Jesus the Christ. In fact, in, in the book of Acts, it actually words it this way. Jesus became the Christ. Jesus was made the Christ but we conflated these words together and we forgot that, that when we say, when we say that we believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life that we are actually making two different faith affirmations. First in the person of Jesus of Nazareth who died and rose again, and the, and, and the crazy mystery of that. And second, in the, in the cosmic mystery of Christ, 
all in all the universe of God that this, that this person represents. And so when we forget the second affirmation, when we just make Christ Jesus' last name, when we spend 2,000 years only, only processing and working with and wrestling with and, and worshiping Jesus of Nazareth, it leads to all kinds of limiting evils in our faith. We begin to pollute the planet because we stop seeing God in creation. We wage war because we stop seeing God in our neighbors. We persecute other religions because we stop seeing God in other faiths. And we continue <laughs> to divide and to break what at the dawn of time was the cosmic mystery of Christ. This is what happens when we love our private Jesus. Not realizing that what we do to him, we do to everybody. And Jesus said that. And this teaching is so obvious. It's, it's hidden right there in plain sight in scripture. And so when we ask this question, is there one way? Is it is? Is Jesus Christ the one way, the way, the truth, and the life? Our answer is yes, and yet it is, it's an answer to two separate questions. It's two affirmations of faith that come together in Jesus of Nazareth, but gives us a world, this cosmic openness to begin to understand the Christ who is all in all, making a way where there is no way. The Christ who calls us into beloved relationship and friendship with people of other faiths and who daily invites us to see God in the face of so many others who do not profess a belief in Jesus of Nazareth. I want to worship that God, the Jesus who became Christ. I offer this to you in the name of God the Father, in the name of Christ his Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, today we, we focus our lives around Jesus Christ, that is who we come to worship today. And yet for the, maybe for the very, very first time today, we are making sense of what that affirmation, what that salvation, what that belief means as, as two distinct affirmations of faith, realizing that Christ was before, Christ was all in all, Christ was from the dawn of eternity. Christ is, is bigger, more majestic, more open than we could ever possibly understand. This is the mystery. This is the mystery of God in Christ. God, make us aware today of that cosmic mystery where we are able to, to narrate room 
for our siblings and faith of other traditions may narrate room for them in our lives and in our faith and in our understanding of, of you, God, and your love and your redemption. Narrate room for them while still professing the belief that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. God, we fell in love with Jesus. We fell in love with you made flesh, Christ in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, because we got to hold you. We got to, to see you, touch you. You weren't just this cosmic Christ reality, this energy, this communion, but you were real. And many of us today are in need of, of that realness, that touch you Grab a hold of Jesus-ness today, where, where, where we can be assured that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' righteousness. Where we can trust in Jesus' name through, through, the, through the toughest parts of life right now. God, we grab hold and we fall in love all over again. And we join with Jesus, who prayed in Christ to the Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.